0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the now fifth episode of AINC's Volunteer Spotlight, brought to you, of course, by Audio Information Network of Colorado. I'm your host, Devin Starnes, and we're switching things up a little bit this month. Um, For the past couple episodes, we've actually had some fairly new volunteers, as in they haven't even been with us for a year. And yeah, we are switching it up. Um, Joining me today is a volunteer of ours that has been with us For a long time, since probably the mid-90s, since we were called the radio reading service of the Rockies. And he's been a reader of a pretty popular program and a really funny one called On the Lighter Side. And if you haven't heard this program and if you haven't heard him before, this is Jerry Podgorski. How's it going, Jerry? Oh, it's going fine. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for for being here today and for being on the show. Oh. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to do it.
1: And I, I want to make a, a slight correction here, or and not a correction, but an addition to yeah, what you ahead. said, and that is, I went back and looked at my uh, calendars from when I first moved to, to Boulder, which was in in nineteen eighty four, and, and uh, the uh, uh, I think two years later is when I started uh, the. Uh, Reading for the radio reading service. So not actually well, that would have been because we. Um, no, it must have been nineteen ninety four that I. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It, it, I'm sorry. It was ninety four that we moved here. My wife and I moved here from Chicago.
0: Gotcha. I actually wondered that too um because fun fact for those um who don't know originally when radio when it was radio reading service we came out in 1991 mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you've basically been with us since like the beginning
1: yeah well actually much. uh i moved to, to colorado in 1994 but my first radio reading service uh show was in
0: 1996 oh okay cool um Well, first of all, I figured we could actually start the show off with some fun little non-serious questions just to kind of spice up the show. So pick any. What is your favorite hot beverage? My favorite hot beverage, I suppose, is coffee. I think we, we can all agree there. God, especially AINC's coffee. <laughs> okay, that's why I come into the office. Mm-hmm. Oh well, that's good enough reason. <laughs> I just recently been trying to switch to tea, but I love coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too.
1: And it, what's good is that I've
0: been reading recently that it's healthy for you. That's what I've heard. I think it prevents some type of cancer, and it does help with your heart health and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. gonna keep drinking it
1: if it's that good. Yeah, that's uh, so. It's it's not only tasty, but it's
0: healthy. That's good. Um, Do you like cream or sugar in yours? No, no, I like to drink it black. Man, I I wish I could handle it black. (laughs) My wife says the same thing. Yeah. i got to have stuff in mind. Next question, and we might switch this up, but this question's been getting some pretty interesting answers before. Um, Would you prefer to go skiing or snowboarding, especially since we live in Colorado?
1: Well, I would say skiing. I've never tried snowboarding, but I have skied. I haven't done it lately, but uh, uh, I've, I've never tried a board.
0: Okay. Yeah, it requires a lot more agility than skiing. Mm-hmm. I tried it once and almost twisted my ankle once. <laughs> and yeah, it was... I'm glad I did it, but I prefer skiing over snowboarding myself. But... You know they're both fun, and snow sports are both are are really exhilarating. So, and, and we live in the right place for it, don't we? Exactly. Hence the question. And last up, um, who in your life is the most inspirational person to you?
1: Like, I guess I would say my father. Perfect. My father uh, and gave me uh, as a gift my sense of humor. Which is something that I I use hopefully uh, in uh, sufficient
0: amounts uh, with my r- radio show. You do. Um, well, that's perfect. Um, I don't. I would almost say my dad is too, and he's kind of the reason I'm actually in audio because mm-hmm. he's a a drummer, a musician. Wow, wow. You know, and he got me into music and audio. So, mm-hmm. I mean, fathers can be massive influences and. Honestly, he, he helped shape my future, so. Well, that's nice. And I hope you've been able to tell him about that. I have. You know, I've realized that if you tell your dad stuff, or if you tell, like, any, you know, if you tell your dad stuff like that, they're like, oh, it's nothing. You know, just, you know, it doesn't feel like they've made a mark, but they have. hmm hmm Well, that is a perfect lead-in. So I would like to, first of all, know how originally how'd you get started with like how'd you hear about us um the audio information network and what made you want to you know gravitate towards us and what got you started here well as i said uh my wife joan and
1: i moved here in 1994 and uh shortly after that uh our friend uh rose Kupchandani, uh, told me about the radio reading service. In fact, I think she was a volunteer here uh, when she d- first told me about it. But she thought it would be something I'd be interested in doing, and she was right. I did some uh, voiceover work uh, before I retired from a, uh, my career, really in uh, in Chicago, uh, and uh, when I worked for the telephone company. Now my primary job was not, uh, doing voiceover, but in the course of the, the very, I think 15 jobs I had while I was, uh, working for them for the 34 years, uh, I did voiceover work mostly for training purposes. Oh, wow. So they they would, for example, they would, uh, they would be, uh, doing a, uh, uh a a video about uh, some piece of equipment that was used in the telephone business and uh, i was part of introducing that because i was reading from a script about uh that particular instrument that we were using
0: that's so cool and that that has to explain here like you have a very unique um narration style it's almost like a story like a storyteller's narration style but Mm. you have that that, that voice over voice, so that explains kind of a lot. <laughs> but see, so your friend turns you on to AINC, basically, right, yes, right yes. on. Um, did you guys have to, um, or did you have to audition when you applied here?
1: You, you know, if, if I did, it was informal because uh, I, it was, uh, I first uh, talked about uh, the radio reading service with David Dawson, who was the founder of mm. RSR. And uh, if he considered our discussion as a, as a audition, I, I wasn't aware of it.
0: Huh? I guess that also just goes to show the, the process for becoming a volunteer has definitely changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it used to be, I'm sure you used to,, you'd come in here, you'd find a flyer, or you'd hear about us by word of mouth or at a, like an event or something, mm-hmm. and then you'd fill out a physical form but I don't know if there ever was an audition. So I understand too that um, David definitely had interest in, you know, onboarding and getting you set up here as a reader. And mm-hmm. he was creating a new or yeah he wanted a new show called The Lighter Side originally. And now it's on The Lighter Side, I think. I don't know if it's changed its name since then, but basically a, um, a humor show basically where you get to Read out of columns of um, our articles by like Dave Barry and uh, I think what Mike Roygo? Mike
1: Roygo, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Dave Barry's my favorite personally, though. <laughs> oh, uh,
1: Dave Barry, yes. Uh, he's almost consistently good.
0: He is, yeah. and and his computer humor has been fun since the '90s. I mean, he made he's he's done a lot, but so yeah. Can you tell us more about um, how you got started with on the lighter side?
1: Well, I think it was David Dawson who uh, coined the, uh, the the title, and uh, I, I started searching around for humorous pieces. And, and And the in my search, I realized well, I only have a half hour show, so I can't I can't uh, use a, a book a, a thick book of uh, humor. Uh, but it, it, what worked well was. When I discovered that uh, people like Dave Barry and uh, Mike Royko and Bill Bryson and uh, uh, Irma Bombeck uh, did, in fact, have write columns for newspapers uh, that were about a half hour long. So that fit nicely with what I needed to do.
0: That's perfect and you started as a live show too so you didn't you didn't just record and have it air later you were actually reading live on the air that's right wow
1: and that made it a little a uh, little sketchy for me i mean i was a little uh, very concerned with not making mistakes that, because it, it was something that was uh, un, unable to be edited out mm-hmm. and in fact the first person I worked with that that David Dawson thought would work well with me is is a woman named uh, Regina Hager. and uh, she's the one who functioned as my coach, as my uh, director for my live
0: half hour show. Gotcha. Yeah, I I never even met her, but I think she yeah she was a staff member here. Mm-hmm eons ago like back in the back when we were in the old offices before we moved here off of arapaho Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah you were reading a live show and i mean those gotta those gotta be kind of scary too because if you make well if you say something wrong or you you you, i don't know you bump the mic or you 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 know spill coffee or whatever Mm -hmm. um it's 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 out there already and you know, it's, it's already on the airways and there's no, nothing you can do about it. Nope. We used to actually, um, so that's kind of a cool bit, a piece of trivia for listeners and volunteers alike. We did used to have live shows and Mm -hmm. we used to be, yeah, we used to have programs that were like in real time. And it it was definitely nerve wracking because you had to make sure everything was set up properly. You had to fade out any of the like background music before, mm-hmm. uh, before the show started mm-hmm. and make everything and then you know have a countdown and make sure you don't go over the time limit different days yes. AINC's definitely changed a bit
1: well and the studio here is very impressive I mean I, I'm sitting in uh, a studio that's uh, uh, from floor to ceiling is set up with uh, uh foam foam yes
0: and i'm sure the uh, the acoustics are excellent they're supposed to be these uh, i mean these studios are supposed to be good enough that you could record an audio a professional audiobook in mm-hmm. them and mm. yeah the tables actually are padded foam the floors we they're carpeted with the rugs and the ceilings mm-hmm. and the walls and mm-hmm. even the door are yeah they're all covered in studio foam yeah and that's that was a new development too. A couple of years ago, when we rebuilt our studios, because our old studios used to be those flat tables. Sure, sure. So yeah, it's uh, it's very impressive for mm-hmm. sure. How did you feel? Do you can you remember how you felt that very first read when you just like the very first time you were on the air? I mean, I imagine nervous. Yes,
1: <laughs> I, I I recall being a, a bit nervous. However, yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, the, the support I had from uh, Regina Hager was helpful, very helpful. And uh, you know, we uh, uh, we talked about that probably before we went on the air. That uh, you know, she would give me hand signs to let me know if we were if we were doing anything wrong. But uh, uh, it uh, it it was it was I didn't feel like I was here in a studio without without some backup, without some help.
0: That's good because it's got to be a little bit of a freaky experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and have you always read kind of the same, like, humor column, or have you found some new ones um, as you've been a reader?
1: Well, I don't know that I've done many new ones, because, as I said, it was good. limiting when I realized that I uh, that I had to... Uh, Uh, a half hour to to say what i read what i wanted to read right and so i couldn't uh, uh, i I knew wasn't able to find time to to read uh very much more than a half hour right yeah and
0: those little um articles fit perfectly Mm -hmm. yeah and i'd say
1: as far as uh any changes i think i uh, from the people that that i've read most often over the years and i think you've mentioned most of them dave berry mike royko bill bryson bill bryson did a oh it was interesting with bill bryson uh he published a book called i'm a stranger here myself and it was something he uh was asked to do when he returned to the u.s after living in the uk for a, a number of years Uh, A friend of his was writing, was, I guess, an editor for the, I think, the San Francisco Chronicle. Anyway, he was doing, he needed someone to do a a half hour or or a half hour's worth of of writing for the newspaper. And he asked uh, Bill Bryson to do that. So because of the length of of the pieces that he wrote, uh, I was able to use that book, I'm a stranger here myself. Uh, it would fit in ideally for what I needed. Nice. And then, of course, Irma Bombeck. There was a collection okay. of her works as well.
0: Wow. Well, at this point, you've probably read, like, hundreds of thousands of articles at this point. Is there a particular reading of yours that you read that, that really stood out to you in a particular way? And
1: Well, yes, there are a couple of them. The one from Mike Royko comes to mind. It was when... He wrote a column. I don't, I don't recall how he titled it. In this particular one, but he was talking about when he was a kid growing up in Chicago. He and his friend would mm-hmm. walk to the Cub, Chicago Cubs baseball game, and uh, because they they were, were both uh, Cubs fans, and he said this one day is that they would they would walk there to save, the, fifth, uh, I think, fifteen cents bus fare or, or streetcar fare. Uh, And and so they could get, and, and if they got there early enough, they could be let into the ballpark for free if they set up chairs that needed to be set up or whatever. Anyway, he said this one time he and his friend got there about the same, about their usual time. And he said it was unusual because there were so many people there getting there as early as he and his friend were. Yeah. And the other thing that he couldn't help but notice is they were all black hmm. and they were dressed like they were going to church he said they were you know fancy clothing and all and and it turned out that it was the first time that uh the cubs played the uh brooklyn dodgers with jackie robinson wow and so jackie robinson was the of course the, the first black player to, uh, to come to the National League. Yeah. And so anyway, the I, I'm making a longer story than I need to, but uh, in the course of the game, there were so many people there in the uh, crowd that it was standing room only. And he found himself, he and his friend found himself standing next to this very tall, stately-looking black man who was dressed very well. And... uh, uh you know, they didn't make anything of it. There was no no real conversation, except at some point in the game. I mean, he began to notice that uh, a couple of things. He he noticed that uh, the, the the Chicago Cubs players were not very kind to Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. They would uh, insult him as uh, however they they could verbally, and, and every time Jackie Robinson was up to bat. No matter what kind of ball he hit, the the, the the crowd was cheering loudly. Well, one of the foul balls that Jackie Robinson hit happened to bounce near Mike Royko. And as it was bouncing on the floor, he picked it up, and here he had a, a, a National League baseball. And he was just thrilled that he found this ball it was able to pick up this this baseball that was hit by a, a a major league player baseball player. yeah and then this man, the black man standing next to him, said, "I'll give you ten dollars for that baseball." And Mike Royco said, ten dollars. I don't think I've ever had a ten dollar bill in my hand or had ten dollars in my hand. But uh, he thought about that, and he realized that how important that ball was to the black man who was there to see Jackie Robinson. So he agreed to sell the man that ball for $10, and the man got out of his wallet and, and paid out the 10 $1 bills to Mike Royko. And, and Royko said, at first he was sorry that he did that and then as he thought about it he said that that baseball meant so much more to the man who bought it from him uh that uh it was, it was something he would never forget and he wrote about it yes that's amazing yes.
0: wow i could oh my gosh i could see where that would stand out mm-hmm. it did yeah i guess the final question i have before we turn it over to you um to ask me any questions is so you were an in-person, you know, reader, and you were a live reader. Uh, when um, when did your show switch over to being recorded? Gee, I really don't know. I bet it was,
1: I, I, I'm guessing at the time. I mean, I, I couldn't guess uh, accurately the the actual year that it happened, but it seemed to me that it was a year or two after I began uh, reading for the RSR.
0: Oh, okay. So did you get to mess around with any of the old like reel-to-reel tape machines that we used to have? Uh,
1: yes, I believe there was there was a reel-to-reel, and then there was a, 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 a VCR, I think. Yeah. Well, yes, a, a miniaturized uh, recording system that uh, you know that followed the reel-to-reel, but uh, it was
0: a, I think I, I th-
1: I'm pretty sure I did a, a live show for a year or two,
0: and then it switched over to being- yeah, yeah. And that just – I mean that should kind of blow people's minds because nowadays we have the conveniences of being able to upload a file into the portal and then immediately our system grabs it and mm-hmm. puts it on broadcast. I mean way back when we originally – yeah, we were using reel-to-reel tapes mm-hmm. and airing those reel-to-reels on uh, a live broadcast that used to go over, I believe, AM radio or something like that. It was um, – it's it's come a long way, and then eventually we switched over to using these things called jazz drives, and it's basically like a – I think it was a competitor to, to, to the three-and-a-half-inch floppy drive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super archaic and super obsolete, <laughs> but really cool stuff anyway, especially if you're me and you're into old, old obsolete junk that <laughs> nobody cares about anymore, sadly. But, yeah, I mean we've come a long way since then. <laughs> And were you an in-person reader up until, up until the um, start of the pandemic? Uh, well,
1: whenever uh, I mean, for years I would come into the studio and record in one of the available studios. Yeah. But then, of course, when the pandemic occurred, uh, I was uh, you know limited to uh, what I could do, and so actually, um, I uh, when I started uh, recording from home. I was concerned about the the voice quality, and yet someone told me early on that this Mac system that I have at home uh, was picking up the, the 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 audio very well. So I I, it, I wasn't very concerned about that anymore. And then in time, I found it certainly more convenient to record as long as from home, as long as it was adequately done.
0: Right. And that that is kind of a small point. Um, sometimes, and I don't know, I don't normally encourage this, but sometimes, at least if you have like a Mac, the mic the mic that's built into it is generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I I always encourage people to record, and we even say when you apply on our website to please use an external mic. Mm-hmm. But if um, you know if it's if that's not a possibility, and you know if the audio coming from your system is good enough. Then we we can make that exception for you, but in ninety nine point nine percent of cases, we always say like use an external mic. But yeah, um, and you just record with an iMac computer, which is basically the all in one. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I mean that's it. You know, it's an iMac with your your readings on it and Audacity. Pretty plain, nothing nothing super fancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And was the transition from reading in studios to becoming an out home reader difficult or challenging in any way?
1: It was because uh, I wasn't sure that there were a couple of times that uh, I, I wasn't—I I had a problem uh, actually recording the, the what I had just read. In fact, not long ago, uh, you helped me. You and Alex helped me uh, with the Audacity Pro uh, system that I was having trouble with. Yeah. And uh, I, I really appreciated the help you both gave me. And so uh, it didn't go without any glitches, let's say.
0: I can imagine. I will say if I can shout you out here, you've always, always been good at notifying Alex and I if you run into issues, though. Yeah.
1: So oh, yes. oh, good. I'm glad I uh, I'm glad I do that. I purposely tried. And when I do make a mistake and something what what's happened more than once, I think oh, two or three times, that, uh, I will, uh, not realize that, uh, I'm, I haven't paused my recording. <laughs> oh yeah. And so I, there, there might be a couple of minutes that go by that, uh, the recording is live or on my system and I didn't realize it was on. So, oh, I'd have to go back and, uh, uh, you know, look at what time it was that, that I mistakenly
0: kept my mic on. Yeah, sometimes you you get a cup of coffee or whatever, and keep recording. Mm -hmm. Well, now's the time for you to ask any questions that you have for me or the Audio Information Network as a whole. Okay. Well,
1: Evan, I I wonder how it is you got started in being such a a
0: a technical pro at this. That's a good and um pretty common question, but I will say, um, I kind of started just through messing around, basically, which is kind of surprising to – it's surprising to me. Um, So I've always been a lover of technology and computers and devices and gadgets, and Mm -hmm. um, I've always had a fascination for those. And whether it was, you know, back when I was a little kid, you know, it was, you know, my CD player or fans or any form of electronics, you know, it was just always fascinating to me. And then – when I was a really little kid um you know i got I got a cassette player and I kind of you know started making my own little recordings and then um that kind of just that's how it was for a while is like I used to just carry around a cassette recorder as a mm-hmm, kid mm-hmm. and then eventually in middle school i um eventually I installed audacity onto my school's onto my school laptop because wow. I had the ability to mm-hmm. and I started to kind of just mess around with it's various features, you know, recording and making edits and adding fun, crazy effects and uh-huh. making yourself sound completely <laughs> cons- like absurd. And, um, I mean, there'd honestly be times like uh, that happened all through high school. There'd be times in high, in class in high school where I was, I'd get kind of bored and I'd, you know, finish what I was doing. And I, rather than studying or doing any of the other stuff, I'd probably should have been doing, I'd mm-hmm. be playing with Audacity. Mm-hmm. And I had a folder on my computer of <laughs> of just junk recordings that I had and audio edits and weird things that I had made with Audacity. And eventually I went um to a training program and y'all have heard of it before. I've probably I've mentioned it on other podcasts. But I went to a training program for blind people and I got offered an internship here Um, to work with audio and to help volunteers with their Mm -hmm. audio quality Mm -hmm. and, you know, to help produce certain um, content, whether it be PSAs or stuff like that. But I worked as an intern for almost a year and I'm like, I I just really, I kept it in my head that I need this job. This is where I want to be. These Mm -hmm. people are amazing. Mm -hmm. And it, it all kind of, you know, came into place and I, you know, I got the position as the audio production technician, and eventually, you know, I started helping out with our first original podcast, Aftersight, which used to be Community Conversations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just kind of, that's thats kind of the long story of really how I got started here is... I think you found the right place, didn't you? I, I know I have. I've met so many amazing people here and continue to do so. Mm-hmm. And now I'm producing this show, which is doing pretty well. I'm I'm really impressed, by the way, with just how this show has been doing and how it's performed and the positive and the constructive feedback that I've got on this show. So thank you all for your comments and for listening to this show, by the way. Just uh, need to throw that out there. Uh, do you have any other questions? Yeah, they.
1: I, I think the one curious thing I've always had since I've been volunteering here is i rarely if ever hear about how any of my listeners appreciate what i'm reading and i wonder why that is do you suppose that maybe maybe they are responding and giving feedback to uh, the uh, the, uh, ainc but i haven't heard that i didn't i haven't heard feedback from any of the listeners
0: and that, by the way, is a very common and very understandable concern or ask of quite a few volunteers, mm-hmm. especially because you do read um, a very specialized, you know, it's like it's curated content that you pick. Yeah. Um, and it's it's humor, you know, and it's – and, it, you know, it is – you do want to know if you're doing well. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, as a listener of – on the lighter side, I can tell you you're doing great, and I enjoy listening to your show all Thank the time. You. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that is a cons- a very valid concern, and honestly, we've been trying to figure that out ourselves. So we have had um, just a couple of little events. Um, one in particular that Alex hosted called the Stats Happy Hour, um, where we actually did show like numbers and how ver- um how various shows performed, and we are trying to do that. But I know that didn't exactly answer your question but yeah we are trying to work on ways to you know make it make you feel like your your show is being heard and that we are listening to you okay
1: that's that's good i think it's interesting to hear you say that uh, i'm not the only one who's been concerned about little or no feedback from listeners
0: no i mean everybody everybody actually oh, i've i've had quite a few volunteers that ask like how is my show performing and and it makes sense because like volunteers, you guys put you know hours, days of dedication and reading and work and recording and just all sorts of effort into this volunteer position. So it makes sense. So yeah, we we are trying to figure out a way to make that possible.
1: Well, there, something occurs to me as you say this. I I, I do know that uh, because I have a background in this that uh, uh, I do know that. Uh, Feedback uh, whether we're giving feedback or receiving feedback <clears throat> is most effective when it's timely and when it's specific yeah so if there's any of those uh, that you could you could focus on or emphasize, I think that would be useful for you and and for um, uh, for other uh, readers. Uh, But think about, I mean, as a reader and a a listener of anything, I have to realize that uh, especially when we're reading for um, blind or visually impaired people, uh, those are the most important people that I think we're here to serve. And so uh, I think to the extent that we're able to uh, function effectively as a reader i i think it's it is helpful to to know that we are reaching the the audience that we we hope we're reaching absolutely
0: yeah i mean we have people that depend on um you know their regular programming and that some people either use it as just like a nice form of entertainment or you know to stay informed mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah i mean we do serve, like, thousands of listeners. I don't have an exact number, but they're, they are most definitely in the thousands all around Colorado. hmm But, yeah, that's a valid concern, so thank you for thank you for popping that question. No, you're welcome. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for being on the fifth episode of the Volunteer Spotlight. Um, I'd like to say to all listeners and people who attended the concert in the dark that we hosted on May 4th, Thank you guys for attending. It was a massive success, um, and we we seriously do appreciate everybody's participation and attendance. It's you know it was unfortunately I wish I I could have been there, but I wasn't able to attend because you know college and finals and stuff <laughs> they got know. in the way. Huh? <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. thank you guys so much for listening to episode number five of the Volunteer Spotlight. And thank you, Jerry, for joining me. You're welcome. I've been your host, Evan Starnes, and I will see you in the next episode. Take care, be safe, and have an amazing rest of your day, night, or morning, or just whenever you're listening to this episode.